Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this special session, Rescue and Renewal Women's Conference. In these lessons, we'll hear from several different ladies on several different topics in regards to rescue and renewal. We hope that you enjoy these lessons as they will be very applicable to each of your lives as women. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy it. And it was that around, you know, it was that about two years ago where it got so bad, it really changed the quality of my life on a very daily basis. I couldn't, in the morning, I had to use a wall to take the first few steps that hurt so bad. It was just debilitating. And so Adam and I knew we needed to find answers. We had to find a doctor and we weren't gonna stop finding doctors until we got an answer and the pain level changed. And I got my, I just couldn't continue at that level. And so the journey began. So I started seeing my family doctor who did all kinds of medications and manipulations and injections and none of it touched the pain. So he sends me on to a back surgeon in Oklahoma City. They run more tests and my back's got all kinds of problems on the inside and they wanna do this really invasive surgery that was going to be a week in the hospital, a year of rehab, just a horrible news. And I'm like, I don't wanna do that. I wanna keep trying other things. They send me to a doctor in Norman who tries stuff. Nothing touches the pain. They send me to another doctor that puts me under and puts medication directly in my spine and does all this invasive stuff. Didn't touch it. At this point, we're six months in to this hyper-focused, we're gonna do something about this back pain. It's been 12 years, it's time. Uh, we're thousands of dollars into this process as well. We have pot committed at this point. The injections that I had were really both feet in. They were so expensive and it was just, it was, it was our last hope for they were like, there's nothing else we can do unless we do surgery. Adam and I are fervently praying for an answer, for doctors, for someone to come along that will prevent this very, very, very serious surgery that would alter the rest of my life and we could never take that surgery back. Uh, the Lord answered our prayer and we found a doctor in Tulsa who was a soft tissue specialist. And I began to see him. Unfortunately, <laughs> the appointments were beyond excruciatingly painful. He would manually push muscle and tendon and ligaments back into place, leaving me covered in bruises. Emily probably has several of the pictures. Swollen, could barely get my jeans over my legs. My legs would be so, because the pain was going down the right leg. And so excruciating. But two days after those appointments, I would notice a shift in the pain I was trying to get rid of. So fast forward another six months and lots of trips to Tulsa, lots of doctor bills. The pain is like the best it has been. I went from going to Tulsa twice a week to once a week to once every two weeks to once a month, okay? We are like ecstatic. My grandma's on her deathbed and I remember the day I told her we found a doctor and it's working and I remember her because it was COVID since through the glass and she just began praising the Lord and thanking him for answering our prayers and so it had been a very long year treating this back pain. Um, and then I'm up at the church working, many of you know this part of the story, um, and um, this would have been the, Amber, you're going to have to pull those in for me right now, because I have a long way to go here, so she doesn't like this part of the story, <laughs> but um, I'm up here at the church working, and um, this would have been my appointment, would have been that Thursday of that week, and that would have been my third appointment. I got to go 30 days in between appointments. I was in a maintenance stage. I was getting ready to be released. And this large overhead cabinet fell and struck me in the back of my head, um, ripped through my neck, my shoulder, my upper back, tore my right lower back to shreds, threw me to the ground so hard it threw me all the way across the classroom. 
So I was put all the way back at the starting line after 12 years of fighting chronic pain to only have more pain. Um, so this is the most stre the recent stretch of suffering that the Lord has allowed into my life that I will be referencing today as I lead you through this breakout session called Beyond Suffering. If you knew my entire life story, I could share many other stretches of suffering that I've endured from childhood through my teen years, my parents' divorce, and the list could go on. Troubles in our marriages, our marriage. Um, there's just been lots of suffering throughout anybody's life, not just physical suffering. But all this suffering, the Lord has given me a heart that praises him in difficult situations and trust him even when I don't understand what's going on. And we're going to talk about that today. One thing I have learned so far in life is that, let's see if I can get this on, does not want to work? Try this. Is that suffering is suffering. Every woman suffering in this room, they vary, but one thing is the same. The mental, emotional, spiritual battle that we all must endure and navigate through is the same. Try one more time with this slide. As you bring your trial and suffering to the forefront of your mind, I want you to know that God is not surprised by your suffering. He is never surprised or disgusted by, your, disgusted by your weakness. Instead of criticizing you for being weak, he comes near and reminds you that his grace is more than up for the task. And in fact, it does its best work when you are the weakest. Like the cabinet accident for me, I didn't know that it was coming. Suffering is always unplanned unwanted and unexpected suffering is hard for us all it is real so physical so emotional and so life dominating that it's hard to think of anything else in the moment but that present moment of pain or suffering for me pain in my body can be heart and life dominating it greets me each morning I don't see where it says, insert the ugly cry right here. <laughs> this is all ugly cry. No, you guys are going to have to just pull that in because i got a long way to go. It greets me each morning. It nags me throughout every day, and it pulls the last groan out of me before I fall to sleep each night. Many things I cannot do without pain now, and I long to be able to do them again someday without pain. But it has left me with a profound sense of loss that lingers. Some in this room are thinking of their own physical suffering. That, and they can relate to how I feel. Others have suffered from financial loss, death of a spouse or a loved one, divorce, anxiety, cancer, major illness, adultery, betrayal of a friend. The list could go on and on and on. All this suffering and pain tempts us to spend too much of our emotional, spiritual time and energy wishing for what others have that we have lost. This was a thought I had to fight every single day. I didn't know that on April 8th, I was going to have a surprise visit from an unwanted guest 
that was going to barge in and take up every room in the most intimate parts of my life. I spent way too much time wondering what is my future going to look like, questioning if I could handle more chronic pain. And I spent way too much time wondering why more suffering had chosen this particular moment to enter my life. The suddenness and irrationality of it all made it that much harder to process. I laid in bed exhausted, discouraged, and in constant pain. I would ask, how is this going to change my life? How is this going to affect my ministry? How is this going to affect Adam and my girls? Who need me out of this bed? What in the world was God doing? I felt unprepared and unable. Not just the day the cabinet fell on me, but for every day after that, for months to come. The mental battle on every level was very real. I didn't have the power to control the suffering or to make it leave. So I ran to the only place where I've grabbed wisdom, hope, and rest for my heart. I ran to Jesus. I wasn't so unprepared after all. In the midst of my struggle, I was and am determined to be faithful. When I didn't have the words to pray or the words to put the sentence together to even put my greatest need before the Lord, I would praise Him. I would praise the God who is worthy of all praise at all times and under all circumstances. I would remind Him over and over and over again that I trusted Him. And I would tell Him how sorry I was for the anger in my heart and the lack of understanding that I didn't have and that I wanted it out of my mind and heart. I wanted a heart that loved and worshipped Him. I believe that God is good, and I did everything I could to run towards Him and not away from Him. I no longer feel angry that suffering has entered my door once again. I know I'm better off because of its presence. I still struggle with the pain and weakness it has left for me, and now I don't like my suffering any more than you like your continual suffering. I do know that through my suffering, a miraculous thing has happened. My Savior has used suffering to produce very good things in me. I decided to leave this breakout session so that you too would feel loved, prepared, and thankful, not for the pain, but for the one who is there for you in your pain. He is the one who comforts you and produces beautiful things in you and through you out of what you didn't invite to your life and really don't want in your life. So those of you who know me can just hear me saying this. But we're going to move on to this, se- this section. <laughs> um, you cannot go through suffering of life's trials without wondering what is God doing and without having times you feel sorry for yourself. I did and do face these temptations and had to learn how to not let my heart go there. As I would think on these things, I would be reminded that suffering is spiritual warfare. I didn't feel good, and I didn't relate to the level of inability that I felt. I didn't want to believe I was back to a place of chronic pain that I had fought so hard to get out of. I hate being in pain. I hate that I feel weak and tired from the pain. I hate that I feel alone, and I hate how hard it is for me to do everyday tasks. I hate the sleepless nights. 
I hate that I envy people that can move around so easily without pain. I hate that my girls worry about me, and I feel the endless mental struggle of feeling like a burden on the ones I'm supposed to be taking care of. But I do not hate God. I don't question God's wisdom and love for me, but I do struggle to accept what has been put into my life. Suffering is real, pain is real, and cries for relief are normal. But when you are suffering, you wonder if people really understand how real it is. Mentally and emotionally, it was very hard for me to share my suffering with others, to only walk away feeling like they had only heard, just simply heard words. Lots of well many people wanted to offer a fix with words I didn't know what to do with. The fact that what was very real to me seemed very unreal to them. I was aware that the daily realities for me were nothing but concepts to people. And no matter what words they offered, they could never get rid of the one thing I wanted gone, the pain. Suffering is real, it's physical, it's spiritual, and it's relational effects are real, but we should all take comfort in knowing that the Bible never treats suffering as anything but real, significant, and often a life-changing experience. The pain and suffering that stops us in our tracks makes us want to pull the blanket over our head in the morning, not get out of bed, gives us moments we wish it would all just end, is never just physical. It's important to know that you are never just fighting for your health. You're never just fighting for your relationship or your marriage. You're never just fighting for your reputation or your job or your financial stability. You are also fighting for the battle of your heart. Suffering is never just a matter of the body or circumstances, but is always a matter of the heart. Too many of us, while battling the situation at hand, forget to battle for our hearts. I wish I could say that I have suffered with a heart at complete and content rest, but I cannot. My heart has cried out, felt assaulted and confused, but for me, I do not suffer alone. I suffer as a redeemed child of God who is never alone. I worship a God who intimately knows me, cares for me, and knows everything about me, including my suffering. And everything in my life falls subject to his sovereign rule. When you are suffering, you must pay attention to the private conversation. That is the words that go on in your head that nobody else hears but you. I want to share a tool that I started to use in really some of the darkest days that I had um, <clears throat> after the accident as I tried to fight for my heart to be at peace and rest with my situation. I came to call this true, not true. Suffering causes you to notice things that you'd never noticed before and causes you to carry concerns you never had before. For me, this new heightened awareness became fertile soil for new sets of fears and irrationalities to live in my life. Suffering has the ability to capture our thoughts and has a power of effect on our emotions, hear me, and our responses. What you fear will directly influence where you focus your thoughts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. I struggled with dark thoughts for several months and knew I needed to diligently watch over my heart. I remember going to bed one night around 8 o'clock, and Adam just looked over at me and said, Are you already sleepy? 
And I remember responding to him, no, I'm not tired. I just don't want to be awake anymore. Because when I slept, I got a break from the pain. I remember laying in bed that night with tears running down my face, knowing I was in a dangerous place mentally. I would be in so much pain, my thoughts would be hyper-focused on my situation, and I would let fear take the reins. I would let self-pity make a bed for me to lie in, and I would think to extremes. This pain is never going to go away. If this is what my life is like when I'm 38 years old, what's it going to look like when I'm 60? It's only going to get worse. The pain's only going to get worse and it's never going to go away. I'm never going to get to hold my grandchildren without pain. I'm a burden on my husband and my girls. And there's really no life for me to ever get to live this life without physical pain. When these types of thoughts began to fill my day, day after day, I knew I had to apply self-discipline and get control of what I was allowing to my mind. And I began to apply what I now come to call true, not true. So I would take these thoughts that were so nasty and debilitating and make me feel sorry for myself, and I would dissect them. Now it's okay. All right, this is low. I'm low right now. I'm hurting. I'm having some dark thoughts. I'm thinking everybody hates me and it's miserable. And if I have to ask for one person to pick up a box of blocks out of the nursery, I'm going to lose my mind. A cabinet has fallen on me, and I'm in pain from the injuries. That is true. The pain is never going to go away. That is not true. I cannot know that for a fact. I cannot see into the future. I don't know what God has in store for my life. That belongs in the not true category. I'm hurting today and I'm tired from the pain. That's true. When I'm 60, I'm going to be miserable and it's only going to get worse and I'm just going to be worthless and Adam's going to be married to this dead weight. That is not true. That's not true. So that needs to go over here in the not true category. I can't stand that I simply unloaded the dishwasher and now my entire right side hurts. Yeah, that's true. That happens all the time for me. I will never be able to hold my grandchildren without pain. That's not true. I don't know that. I don't know what the Lord has like in store for me and, and what, what's going to be in my future. That is not true. Stop thinking crazy things like that that make you just feel all sorry for yourself and get all sad and make everything worse. I am the sunshine and rainbows to my husband and my kids' lives. Ladies, that is true. Put that in the true category. <laughs> I'm a burden to my family and they're sick of dealing with my limitations. Give me a break. That's not true. They love me with their whole heart. So while you get the point here, while it's not profound, it's very effective, and it has helped me get through some very difficult thoughts and moments through suffering. You see, God will never ask you to deny, to, to deny reality. But if you focus on the difficulty of your situation, you will end up feeling hopeless. And your thoughts can easily begin to create unwanted suffering upon suffering. That's all those thoughts were doing for me, which is adding suffering to suffering upon suffering. And I had to stop. And the moments after needing to dissect my thoughts, I always like to follow up with a moment of praise. And I love the verse found in Psalms 136.1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Fear of created things is a tempting trap to any sufferer. But trust in the Lord is a secure way to live.
Trusting God does not remove suffering from your life, but it dramatically changes the way you suffer. When you trust God, the equation is not your situation compared to the size of your trial, or you compared to the size of your trial, but your God compared to it. It's important to remember that nothing you and I face in this broken world is ultimate or eternal. We have to recognize that what we fear will not last forever and that suffering will not last in an eternal sense. Suffering always exposes our weaknesses and, and how little in life we actually have control over. It comforts us with the vulnerability of our physical bodies. It forces us to face how quickly relationships can dissolve. It requires us to admit the limits of our personal and financial resources. And one of the hardships of suffering is profound feelings of weakness and inability. When bitterness sets up in your heart, it can turn suffering into a personal worldview. When envy sets up in your heart, it becomes the soil in which bitterness grows. Your suffering will become the lens through which you look at everything. And soon, it will not just be your worldview, but it will take over the attitude of your heart. You no longer will carry hope, joy, and expectancy into situations and relationships, but an attitude of complaint. It's so easy when you're suffering to look around and compare what you are enduring to what, what, what others are enjoying, but envy never produces a good harvest. Envy adds layer of trouble to trouble you are already facing. Envy robs you of hope and robs you of the ability to trust. Envy never tells the truth. Envy whispers debilitating and dangerous lies in your ears. Envy never takes the sufferer by the hand and leads him to the light. Envy never causes your heart to sing. It never Envy steals away the hope that is only ever found when you are convinced of the presence of God. So when all you feel like doing is complaining, you must require yourself to find reason to praise. When you feel abandoned and alone, you must preach to yourself the presence and love of God. The more your heart is filled with gratitude, the less room there is for complaint. The more you are given to worshiping God, the less tempted you are to accuse him. I have learned that no matter how hard a day is, there are always beautiful things to be thankful for and reasons to celebrate the one who gives them to us. Jesus was born into the toughest conditions. He was misunderstood, mistreated, and rejected throughout his entire life. His closest friends turned on him when the going got tough. He was betrayed by those he should have been able to trust. He was regularly hungry and knew what it was like to be homeless. He felt the sting of the worst kind of suffering. He endured torturous physical suffering. From his birth, his life was never easy. He was not only suffered, he suffered alone. His father turned his own back on him in his deepest moment of agony. Don't let the fact that Jesus went through all of this without sinning take away from the real agony of what he endured. He felt the full force of the same kind of suffering that you and I face. He didn't just live through this hardship. He lived through it all for you. So that in your suffering, you would have a place of comfort, refuge to run to, 
when there seems that no one else understands. And boy, are there times like that. We'll never establish peace of heart by trying to understand the things God has not revealed to us. Our motivation to stand firm in faith, even when we are going through things that we don't understand, is found in one thing. God's declaration of his intention toward us. He declares that he is for us and not against us. He carried every bit of our penalty on the cross so that in our darkest moments of struggle, in the midst of the toughest moments of trial, we would be met with mercy, not judgment. This is the reason to continue to praise even when we are assaulted by envy, confusion, and fear. When suffering, it is important that you do not identify with your suffering as who you are. As the weeks, months, and years of suffering pass, it can become your identity. I'm depressed, for example, can transition from an explanation of what you're going through to a defining who you are. Suffering is a huge heart and life struggle that shouldn't be minimized, but it is very important that it does not become your identity. The loss of a loved one, debilitating physical pain or illness, a crippling accident, the adulterous betrayal of a spouse, sudden financial loss, the disloyalty of a friend, rebellion of a child, are all very difficult experiences. But they do not define who you are, and they must not be taken on as your identity. When you live in life of your true potential as a child of God, you live with hope and courage even when life is hard. There is hope and courage in Christ, and the power that is inside you will overflow into your life as a woman, a wife, a mother, a neighbor, a friend, and a member of the body of Christ. Bottom line, letting your suffering become your identity determines your actions. Why is one person active in the middle of difficulty while the other seems paralyzed by it? Well, one sees their potential as a child of God in the middle of the storm, while another has it determined that they are small in the midst of their storm. I know it's, for, it's hard for those of you who are suffering right now to hold on to this. It has been for me. But it's important to grasp God is both willing and able to bring very good things out of very, very bad things. The cross of Jesus is the ultimate argument for this. What could be worse than the unjust murder of our Messiah? What could be more wonderful than Jesus' death and resurrection for our salvation? In moments when you are crying out for relief, God is doing good things in and through you, using the very things you want relief from as his tool. You may be weak, but your Savior is not. You may be poor, but your Savior is not. You may be confused about what you need most in your situation, but your Savior is not. You may feel you're at the end of your rope, but trust me, your Savior is not. You are not defined by your suffering. Yes, you must work so that your suffering doesn't become your identity. The things you suffer are powerful and difficult, life-shaping experiences, but they do not define you. If you are a child of God, you carry the full meaning of that identity with you no matter how hard life is and no matter how weak you feel. God is with you, he is for you, and he is in you. God has given us no sweeter gift than the most beautiful gift of himself. It is vital that your thinking heart 
is given to wisdom, guidance, and comfort that only the Word of God can provide. Our hope is not found in understanding why God has allowed suffering into our lives. Our hope is not found in the belief that somehow we will just tough our way through it. Our hope is not found in doctors, lawyers, parents, pastors, friends. Our hope is not found in our resilience. Though we may look to these things for temporary relief, ultimately our hope rests in the faithful and ever-present Lord that we serve. God is not weakened by what weakens us, and he is not confused by what confuses us. He does not suffer from the mood swings that afflict us. He is not afraid like we are. He never makes a bad decision, and he never finds himself out of control. His choices are never driven by anxiety, and he never wants to give up. He is limitless in power and his authority over everything, and he assures us that he is not leaving us. I want to direct your attention to a promise. When the confusion of the unexpected so controls it, your mind that you can barely think, this promise can give you clarity. When your weakness seems to make everything in your life harder and possible, this promise can renew your strength. I know it has mine. When the betrayal of a loved one makes you feel alienated or alone, this promise reminds you that someone holds you close. Matthew 28, 20 tells us, And behold, I am with you always. It's important to note that Jesus spoke these words to the disciples while they were being commissioned to give their lives for the gospel. Jesus ended his commission with these words because he knew what they would face. He knew it would be difficult and uncomfortable. He knew they would suffer. Many giving their lives. The context of these beautiful words is that they are spoken to give comfort to sufferers. There are times we try to comfort or assure other sufferers with words. We might try to say, I'm sorry you have to deal with this. I'm here for you. There'll be light at the end of the tunnel. This too shall pass. Those words have come out of my mouth a hundred times over. When we say these things, we're sincere, but our words have little ability to alter the circumstances that are causing the suffering but that is not so with God. His words are never empty, but carry a level of power and authority that is so hard for us to even be able to grasp. If you are a child of God, God himself is in you. There is no such thing as being beyond the reach of his care. He is with you every moment of your suffering because he lives inside of you. When you're, suffer when you're sitting in the doctor's office, you carried him there. When you're in physical pain, he is with you. When a loved one has turned their back on you, he's with you. When you've gotten devastating news, he is with you. When you're distressed, confused, feel helpless, he's right there with you. God's presence, presence is not just your hope, it's your identity as a child of God. There is no better hope for the sufferer. He is near you in your suffering. In fact, he cannot be nearer. You are the temple in which he resides. God also promises us in Joshua, I will never leave you or forsake you. God remains faithful to us no matter what, not because of what's in us, but because of what is in him. For me and my suffering, I often fall very, very short. Confusion interrupts my prayers. 
wonderment of what God is doing interrupts my worship. My heart fills with more envy than gratitude, and my mouth speaks more complaint than praise. Sometimes, <clears throat> yeah, I would rather have relief from the pain than the sweetness of its presence. Sometimes I avoid fellowship with people because sometimes it just feels like too much. My track record is far from perfect. Suffering exposes the weakness of our hearts. In our suffering, we don't have to waste any energy on the fear that you will be forsaken by the one who has the power to do for you what no one else can. He is with you, he is in you, and he is for you, and he will never leave you and never forsake you. Listen to what David wrote in Psalms 139. Where should I, shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. God has a purpose. Hope for the sufferer is rooted in the fact that they have not been singled out or forsaken, but that what is painful has a purpose. Suffering in the hands of God is a powerful tool of personal growth and transformation. I am a living testimony to that statement. A verse from James I quote to myself all the time, count it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James, is not saying you should rejoice because of the pain and the loss, but rather we have reason to rejoice in the middle of our suffering because of what, how God is using our suffering to produce in you new things that you could never produce on your own. God is not content to give temporary relief when eternal change is what is needed. God causes for us to long for and experience his comfort so that we would be ready to comfort others. Our suffering can have ministry in view. Your hardship can qualify you to be part of some of the most wonderful and amazing work that we can be a part of on our planet. Suffering should not be used to draw us into ourselves, but to lead out to offer the beautiful hope, comfort, joy, and security that God has given us all. God doesn't just give the sufferer stories of panic and doom and darkness. He gives us stories that tell of how he lifts us up and gives us hope and brings peace to our hearts. We can tell our story not to point to the suffering, but to point to the one who is there for us in our suffering. Suffering is a tool to produce wonderful things in and through you that you could never produce on your own. He works so that your faith and hope will blossom. Your character will change and mature, and your willingness and ability to minister to others will increase. He isn't emptying you of good things, but using hardship to fill you with the good things that only His grace can produce. You can say, even while you acknowledge the pain and suffering and loss, that God has a purpose for my suffering. God is creating things in me that are valuable and eternally good, so good 
that he's willing to take me to hard places to deliver these treasures. God is good, and he has a purpose. I want to share with you the importance of people, of the people that God has placed in my life and your life, and in the body of Christ as a whole. I have a group of people in my life, Adam and Jillian and Reese would be the top of my list, and many women I see sitting in this room. who are never too busy, never feel irritated when I'm weak, never push me to get my act together, and are always ready to complicate their lives to help me when I'm in need. They have made it easy for me to confess the things that are hard to confess, and they are a constant reminder from God on this earth that I will never be alone. The Bible tells us that God does not require his children to make it on their own, there is comfort in God's people. It won't be perfect. Nothing this side of eternity is. But the resources of help from the people of God are a glorious comfort and provision from God. There is nothing noble about bearing down and suffering alone. We are designed by God for community. In my suffering, I've had to fight the temptation to self-isolate. There are times when I just feel like it's too much to be around people, there are times I have been hurt by the words of others, but you must know that the body of Christ is a gift of comfort, rescue, protection, and wisdom for you. Take advantage of the people in your life who you know love you and care about you and who you know love and trust God. And now you may not be surprised, sorry, and then you may be surprised how your suffering impacts them as well interesting how God does things like that. Remember that God does not call you to hoard your suffering, but to offer it up to him, to be used as needed in the lives of others as well. There is always blessing in taking your eyes off yourself and putting them on others. In closing, thousands of years into eternity, as you're living in a perfect world that has been made new in every way, You'll look back on what now seems unbearable as a brief flash of difficulty. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 17, Therefore do we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, the things that which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. No matter what the next day brings, your future is bright, because the victory has been won for you. I pray that this will encourage you and motivate you to continue even when life is hard. The way to defeat the dangerous territory of complaint is not silence, but praise. Take the time to think through all the good things you have in the midst of the hard things. Um, thank you for coming to this session. This was a difficult thing for me to put together, but um, I hope you felt encouraged and uplifted um, by this session. I want to point you to the book called Suffering by um, Paul David Tripp. Um, I've read this book actually a couple times. It has been a resource for me. Um, a lot of what I shared today came directly from this book. A lot of this was his words that I put on paper to share with you today. Um, I, this is a, a drop in the sea of what I shared today with what's in this book. So 
if you are looking for um, a good book to read, this is a great one. So I recommend his book, and I thank him for writing it, and that the Lord put that in my life to use as a tool for today. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.